Hi, and welcome to the Automotive Tech Info Podcast, the program where technicians talk to technicians, offering diagnostic tips in 10 minutes or less. This podcast is brought to you by Automotive Tech Info to help you learn while you listen. I'm your host, Tony Mala, and we'll be presenting information for and by automotive technicians in a unique learning opportunity to grow your knowledge, insight, and understanding of the automotive technology you see in the shop every day, one nugget at a time. This is part three of our new series, talking with Scott Brown about everything ADAS. You know, advanced driver assist systems are becoming very, very common on most vehicles out there. And it's important that you understand and know how to work around these systems, which require very precise operations and calibrations. Scott, welcome back to the show. It's good to see you again. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. You spent quite a bit of time in part two talking about cameras, but you had mentioned radar and I think LIDAR, which I believe is laser range finding. We didn't really get into that too much. We talked a little bit about some of the camera stuff, but tell us a little bit more about how the radar and the LIDAR system works in the ADAS system and how these things kind of work together. Sure. So as we talked about the cameras, cameras do a really good job of identifying an object and then classifying what it is, and then also classifying or identifying space, drivable space. Radar, on the other hand, is really good at identifying objects it can't really identify what that actual object is, but it's also very good at ranging that object. How far is it from that vehicle? And also, what is its rate of change? So that would be the Doppler. Is our vehicle closing in on it or is it growing? So those are the inputs that typically are the data points that are used by, say, the cruise control system to determine the following distance uh, as you're going down the road. You think about the LIDAR stuff, that's light detection and ranging. And that light detection is using special, it's kind of like a camera and radar. It's basically using a bunch of light pulses or laser pulses. And it's painting what's called a 3D point cloud. Okay, so it's painting like a three-dimensional image of the environment out in front of wherever that sensor is pointing. Mm-hmm. This is a relatively newer technology that's being deployed on automobiles. It's a very expensive technology, so you're probably only going to see this on higher-end vehicles. Although there are some vehicles out there today that use some sort of LiDAR-type technology. In fact, you'll see a lot of Mazdas that use what's called a smart city brake system where you may have a little camera in the window and you also have two little lenses off to the side. And you may have wondered, what is that? Well, that actually is a LiDAR-type sensory-type system. But back on that, the radar, the radar could Mm -hmm. actually send out two different type operations where it's basically broadcasting kind of a short-range sensory, and then it could actually have a long-range type operation embedded in the same unit. So think about that unit that's mounted maybe up in the front of the car. It's doing some detection, wide-range, local and then some long-range stuff for your, say, your adaptive cruise control. These things are very sensitive. They are transmitting these specialized chirps 77 to 80 billion times a second. So there's a lot of data. These units can track multiple items at the same time. So I've seen data on the back end, and I've got demo boards that I use for training, and you can see that it could track maybe 20 or 30 different objects that are out in front of the vehicle and keep track of where these things are and where they're moving. So there's a lot riding on those sensors. 
However, those sensors are operating in a pretty harsh environment. You know, the automobile is doing a lot of stuff and think about if that thing gets hit or smacked or they run up on a curb and that thing happens to be mounted very low, what it could do to that sensor's operation. One, it can bend the bracket, move it slightly off of its original configuration, and, and it could cause some aiming problems, could cause deficiencies in the way that the vehicle is behaving. In some cases, you may have a warning light. You may not have a warning light. You may just have a complaint from the consumer about uh, the system doesn't seem to work quite right or what have you. And uh, this is where the service professional is going to have to have the knowledge and resources to figure out what it is that they need to do to address that particular problem. As you move forward with technology, you'll see some manufacturers are now realizing that that radar that was mounted up in the front of the vehicle in that high risk area, they have now moved that up into the windshield. And in fact, there is one manufacturer that has combined the camera and the radar together all in one unit, along with the ADAS computer, so that they're basically minimizing all the processing and uh, combining all that data together. And so now that radar sensor is out of harm's way. So a minor little front end collision doesn't necessarily mean that that radar sensor has to be replaced, like the, the one that was up in the front of the car. A lot of times when you see these radar sensors, if you look closely at the language, it says, do not drop on them. You know, that do not drop means that if it got hit, you're going to want to have to replace that, or you're going to want to replace it prior to doing any type of service work on the vehicle. Second to that, some cars actually have multiple radars. So they'll have a single in the front. They may have two in the corners that are looking out to the side. Then you may have units in the back that are monitoring like the blind spot. So again, this is all part of a sensor suite. So we need to always think about raising our situational awareness and understanding what systems, sensors, and operational characteristics that particular vehicle has so that we can return that vehicle to 100% operation when uh, we're done servicing it. We'll return to our interview after this word from our sponsor. Automotive Tech Info provides professional technicians with a regular diet of repair information on BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Nissan, Toyota, Volvo, Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, and more. It's free access to technical knowledge and insight from professional technicians for professional technicians. Simply register at www.automotivetechinfo.com to gain access to our database of technical wisdom that is easy to use and searchable by keyword, vehicle manufacturer, or publish date. It's a convenient technical resource to keep you ahead of what's coming into your shop every day. For more information, visit our website at automotivetechinfo.com. And now back to our interview. You imply that the location of these things is very, very sensitive and very, very precise. So even minor damage would cause that sensor to be useless if it's any kind of impact at all? Yeah, I've seen cases and you know, I've got a lot of colleagues out there that do calibration mm -hmm. and they'll get the car after there's been some repair done to it and they're trying to carry out a, an operation. So trying to calibrate. And when you put the vehicle into a calibration mode, whether it's for the camera or the radar, usually the, the unit's going into a specific, maybe a high sensitivity mode. You are putting specific targets out at a specific coordinates in front of that vehicle, and you're hitting a button so that it can basically get a new reference point so that it can calibrate. 
I've seen cases where the calibration just won't complete, won't complete, won't complete. Mm. And they end up making a call, replace the radar sensor, and then the calibration carries out. I have one example where a very expensive unit on a BMW was done and they got permission. They did it. It was a collision. They got permission to take the, the radar sensor apart. And you could see on the inside, this thing had so much percussion on the inside that it dented these little shields that were over these SOCs, these system on chips uh-huh. that were inside of the circuit board there. So there's a lot that can happen in a minor impact wow. on these vehicles. You know, electronics are wonderful, but the only thing they can't take is a sharp impact. Exactly. Anybody who's dropped a cell phone gets it. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And it seems to, once again, reinforce the fact that you need to be extremely careful and precise. When you're working around these type of sensors, the radar units, are there any special precautions that we need to take or anything? How do you deal with that? Yeah, you need to be careful. I mean, a lot of times the wiring connector, if you look at these connectors and the wiring, very, very small gauge wiring. A lot of times you may have two CAN networks, two balanced CAN type networks there, a power and a ground. And you need to be careful with those connectors and make sure that those wires don't get tugged and and pulled on. If you do have to take it off the car, just make sure you take it off the car and you set it aside. Don't throw it on the bench Mm -hmm. because you could actually create a problem by throwing it on the bench. And also when you do put it back on the car, a lot of times when it's, you look up in service information on remove and replace, it'll say perform radar calibration. Mm -hmm. Now, does that require special tooling? It all depends on what what vehicle you're working with. Some cars only require you to put a level sensor on the front of it when the vehicle is properly prepped and then issue a uh, relearn command with the scan tool and then you take the car out and drive it. Some cars require a special calibration apparatus Mm -hmm. where you are required to put the vehicle in a special configuration and put special targets in front of the car and give it that zero point reference so that the radar sensor now knows what its field of vision is and it can make intelligent decisions as that customer is driving that vehicle down the road. Well, anything that needs to be calibrated needs to be calibrated properly and hold that thought because that is going to be the subject of part four in our series because calibration seems to be everything when it comes to ADAS systems. And frankly, that is the more likely type of service that most technicians are going to perform on these vehicles. It's important, I think, when you're looking over a vehicle to look for things like the bracket that the sensor is mounted on. If there's any damage to that, that could be a clue that you should really take a closer look at these sensors as well. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And usually when you buy a radar unit specific for a vehicle, Uh it will typically come with the complete bracketing mechanism because the bracket usually has some sort of adjustment. Right. They're wanting to ensure that all the geometry is correct so it can go back together properly. Well, this is fascinating stuff. And I'm looking forward to continuing our conversation. Scott, we're going to leave it at that. Uh, I'll look forward to talking with you next time in part four when we start talking about calibrations of ADAS. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. Great. Thank you.